We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for the ratings and reviews. And also, thank you for forwarding all of this on to some of your friends. I love it when people recommend the podcast. So thanks again. Now, on to my guest for today, author Bruno Signico. I asked Bruno on the show because I was intrigued by his book, The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principles for the Human-Oriented Enterprise. After years as an accountant, Bruno moved to business consulting, helping companies navigate strategies and processes and also teaching courses. His book came about after he read an article that prompted him to think about the importance of people and relationships in business. He argues that businesses should not be just concerned with profits, that they should also be concerned with people and the planet, and that by focusing on the latter two, businesses will grow and be sustainable as a result. According to Bruno, research demonstrates that in companies where stakeholders are valued and relationships are given priority rather than the bottom line, businesses do better. Employees, customers, partners, and community members will go the distance to support and reciprocate when they see a company respecting and valuing them. Similarly, a company that cares only about profit at the expense of people and the community will ultimately suffer and will impact their profit margins as well. Empathy, compassion, gratitude, generosity, and above all love all have a part to play when building a business. Now, Let's get better together. Bruno Signico, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for your invite. I'm very honored. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you're, you're a different kind of guest for me. I'll be honest with everyone. Um, you wrote a book called The Art of Compassionate Business. 
uh, main principles for the human-oriented enterprise. I saw this. I realized in the world that we don't have a lot of compassion in business. And so I wanted to talk with you about this because it's a very important topic that a lot of entrepreneurs put aside. I agree. I agree. I'm very pleased to talk about this. Thank you. Yeah. Um, People tend to just build their businesses, but they don't build their culture or their mindset on how to treat people. And I think although we won't be able to solve the world's problems today, (laughs) we will at least give people a taste of what it's like to live and do compassionate business. But uh, before we get all into that, as I always like to say, I'd love to hear how you got to do what you're doing today. Thank you very much. Uh, Again, thank you for your invite. Uh, I started more than 25 years ago as a traditional accountant, advising companies on taxes, auditing, cost, uh, project, budgeting. And this was a stage of my life that was very interesting, but a bit monotonous. But then I started working as a consultant on international marketing. I got a specialization on international marketing. I started researching on international marketing and also teaching at university marketing modules. And I got in contact with companies, very interesting companies with different cultural backgrounds. And But again, I was advising companies on, a, on the traditional way of advising businesses, for example, developing strategies, negotiating with uh, international buyers or suppliers, or for example, uh, developing a market research study. These were traditional aspects of business. And the main objective of this, all these consultancy activities was to improve the bottom line. This means companies to become much more profitable, much more market share, uh, much more revenues. This was, and uh, many years ago, I read an article in a, in a very famous publication, Harvard Business Review, that was uh, titled The Human Moment at Work. And in this article, I saw a different approach of business. The author in that article started commenting about uh, developing trust and cooperation bonds in the work environment. They talk about the emotional and mental connection between different stakeholders. And this grabbed my attention. And I I said to myself, this is a very interesting topic to research and also to develop non-traditional consultancy activities. And I started researching on this, and this took nearly three years. And this was coronated by my new book, The Art of Compassionate Business, Main Principle for the Human-Oriented Enterprise. And what I discovered uh, as a result of this research process is that companies can be both profitable, this, this means that they can focus on the bottom line, but also they can care for the human being, they can care for the stakeholders. Moreover, what I discovered that when you focus uh, exclusively or primarily on the stakeholders, all these uh, performance indicators such as profitability, productivity, efficiency, and market share, among others, are achieved naturally. And why does this happen? Because these indicators, these very important economic indicators, are always the natural result of the interaction between a company and its stakeholders. So when a company treats stakeholders in a kind, loving, compassionate way, these stakeholders tend to act in the same way. They tend to reciprocate. They tend to support the company. They tend to assist the company when the company needs this support. Instead, when a company manipulates a customer, when the company doesn't treat employees in a respectful way, when the company 
pollute the environment when the company doesn't care for the community. This means that the company is not acting in a compassionate way. All these stakeholders tend to withdraw. They tend not to cooperate. Why? Because they don't feel acknowledged. They don't feel cared for. And we have to understand that business is about interdependence. No company can try by itself. No company can try on its own. Company to get profit, to get market share, to get more sales, to get more customer, need the support of customer, employees, community members, suppliers, business partners. So if we do not care for all these human beings, these stakeholders, they won't care for us. There is a famous law in social psychology that is called the law of reciprocity. You treat others well, and they tend to reciprocate. They tend to treat you in the same way. If you treat them in a disrespectful, non-compassionate way, they tend to withdraw. They tend not to cooperate. If you treat employees in a shoddy way, in a low-quality way, this employee will switch from your company to other workplaces. If you treat customer in a non-compassionate way, you try to deceive them, you try to force them to buy product that they don't want, this customer will switch from your company to competitors and will leave negative reviews about your company online. If you treat the community in a disrespectful way, for example, not caring for the community, polluting the environment, this community might even boycott your products and services. So mm. this is not only idealistic, but it's very real, has tangible business effect. You treat people in a very caring, compassionate, loving manner, and people will support you. And there is a lot of research on this, and you will have more likelihood to get better key performance indicator. Instead, when you treat people in a disrespectful way, a loving way, non-compassionate way, these people will tend to withdraw and you will be on your own as a business uh, institution. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you can't, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> as humans, we are social creatures. Mm -hmm. We need each other to survive. We've had this for a long time, it's proven. Um, and I think it's the same thing for a company because a company is just an organization of people bound together to try some to do something that's hopefully useful. If it's not useful, then the company goes out of business. If it's useful, then people buy it and it's a good, either a good value or whatever. And I have seen lately a lot of companies uh, and a lot of employees striving or starving for this sort of kind of I don't know, mentality, attitude. I, I don't know if it's like a philosophy. It seems it's more like general mindset of, look, you know, profit's fine, but boy, it, the drive for profit is destroying everything. Like you said, the environment, the communities around it. And there's a huge, um, you know, movement to be corporations. There's actually a huge movement towards this thing called four sector capitalism or four sector economics, where everyone kind of comes together to uh, be stakeholders as opposed to stockholders or the, the whole, I think the whole, the new methodology around that. So I'm curious, have you seen, I mean, you've been around for 20, 25 years doing, you know, doing your career and, you know, the books just came out a couple of years ago. How, what, what, how, how what have you seen change since the books come out and sort of how, is, are things progressing in the right way or wh wh where do you see the world right now? Yes, I see a dichotomy. I see two extremes. I see companies that are still acting in a traditional way. They focus on profits. They focus on the bottom line. 
This is what we call the single bottom line approach. The most important aspect are the quantitative aspect, what can be measured, what can be counted. For example, market share, profit, sales, they can be counted, they can be quantified. However, I saw other companies that focus both on quantitative aspect of business, what can be measured, what can be counted, but also they focus on qualitative aspect of business, what cannot be measured, what cannot be counted, that is as important as quantitative. For example, qualitative aspect of business are camaraderie, compassion, commitment, loyalty, support, care, empathy, and this applies to all stakeholders. This second type of company that have a wider approach on business tend to approach business from a perspective that I call, and many authors call also the triple bottom line approach, which means focusing on profit, P for profit, but also caring for people. The second P is for people, people which include customers, suppliers, employees, community members, uh, business partners, and caring for the planet. The third P will be the planet. So this means that it's a broader approach on business. Why? Because they understand that the, the concept of interdependence, they cannot thrive on their own. They cannot succeed by themselves. And this concept of uh, interdependence is not brought by me. Stephen Covey, the great manager guru, management guru, observed that everything in life and in business also is interdependent. What I observe, for example, during the pandemic, two types of companies. Uh, companies that are very uh, compassionate, supportive with the challenges that the employees go through. In some cases, use of new technology, video conferences, they need flexible hours. In some cases, they have to be in charge of childcare. And this is very challenging for employees. They have to work for, uh, at home with the children and so on. Very challenging. In some cases, have health problems. These companies are very supportive, they understand, they try to give a lot of flexibility to employees, they try to allow employees to get what we call a psychological safety, it means employees should feel at ease, not shouldn't be feeling fearful or anxious. Instead, I saw other companies that are acting in a more non-compassionate way. They're fighting employees with no compensation. I'm living in the UK, in London. I see companies here in the UK that are fighting employees with no compensation or furlough, but without notice. So it's, it's so um, outrageous what you see that you have the two extremes. And I'm hopeful about this because I saw over time more companies that are becoming compassionate. And probably we have another interview in 10 years time. We shouldn't be talking about this topic because it should be a topic that is common sense and commonplace. No, I, would, I, know. I, I wouldn't I like to talk about this topic any longer because it <laughs> should be the, the, the norm, the yeah. company should act in a compassionate way. But I see the two extremes. So there is still companies that believe that the priority is getting economic results. Now, I want to ask this company, who is generating the economic results? The economic results are always generated by people. The building brick of any business activity is the human being. And the yeah. human being has economic needs, emotional needs, mental needs, spiritual needs, social needs. So if we don't care for all these needs, there will be other organizations that will care for them. And if we don't care for this customer in the same way, there will be the other organization that will be able to add value to this customer, to serve this customer in a much more effective and meaningful way. So we have to understand that this cannot go forever. This dichotomy or this polarity, two polarities, companies that are extremely non-compassionate and companies that are compassionate Cannot, cannot stay forever. I see ripple effects that are getting bigger and more companies are catching up with this, this, this trend. 
Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think what you, and I'm glad you brought up COVID um, because COVID really put a stress and a strain on a lot of people and a lot of companies and, and a lot of countries. I mean, the world went under a huge amount of stress and strain, but what we've seen um, the good and the bad of it, the bad first is that people were burning out. There's was a lo- not a lot of compassion, as you mentioned for companies that just like, what you know, they're not, I wouldn't call them evil, but just poor judgment. But then I think to your point, now that we've got this new kind of modality of working and where there is some relative freedom to move around and like not have to be stuck to an area. And I don't know if this trend's going to continue or if it's going to last, but to your point, like it's going to get a lot more competitive. In fact, it's competitive now for, for talent just in general, there's just a lot of stuff going on and a lot of people are struggling to find good talent. And I think the the companies that have that compassionate approach seem to be winning and the ones that won't will just either have to evolve or go away. (laughs) You know, I agree. I agree. There is a very interesting research study that observed the research study is a paper that was based on different organizations. It's titled what lab have to do with it. And this was published in a journal, probably uh, resembling the Tina Turner song. And this is a real paper that you, anyone can find online. Uh, this paper observed that, uh, according to this study, when the workplace is compassionate, there are many side effects, positive side effects. When a company develops a compassionate workplace, employee absenteeism tend to go down. Customer satisfaction t- tend to go up. Employee satisfaction tend to go up. Uh, stress level tend to go down. So turnover tend to go down. So this means that all these indicators impact positively on the bottom line. So this means that being compassionate is not only treating people well, what is very important, but also generate tangible economic, a, a positive economic effects. So this means that being compassionate pays off for any company. When you are compassionate, people are more, more willing to contribute for example, employees are much more willing to go the, the extra mile. They are more willing to work over time to serve customer, and customer are much more keen to come back to this company and recommend this company to others. And the community is more keen to support the company in their endeavors. So there is a, a positive cycle that you create when you become compassionate. And the opposite happens. When you are non-compassionate, this creates a lot of resentment, fear, I see a lot of, uh, during the pandemic, I saw a lot of workplaces that were full of fear. People were fearful, were fearful of losing their job, fearful of being, for example, uh, outpaced by other company, a company going bankrupt. And what happened? Uh, This also is backed by research. When you're in a state of fear, uh, any stakeholder that in a state state of fear, for example, uh, employees, the mind cannot reason well. You cannot become creative. You oh, cannot no. become productive. Why? No. Because you tend to adopt a freeze fight flight mode and you focus only on the threat. Yeah. So when I see companies that are only threatening employees to, to produce more or to become much more productive or to be much more innovative, they are using the wrong modality, the wrong way. Why? Because when you threaten people, they tend to become defensive, not creative. They tend to contract. Instead, when you foster a work environment that is compassionate, supportive, that people feel safe, they feel at ease, that you acknowledge 
people contribution that they know that they can for this company, this company tend to bring about much more meaningful uh, work and also much better work environment and also better uh, economic results. Yeah. I wonder, why do you think companies don't, are not compassionate? I mean, if the data is there and all the research is there and it just, I mean, it seems like, like you said, like hopefully in 10 years, this is just common sense, right? There, there, is there is, yeah, there are many factors. There are many factors. One I mentioned before, one the first factor I mentioned before, they focus only on quantitative aspect of business. They have this keenness of measurement. They want to measure everything. They want to measure the everything that could be measured, could be sales, market share, revenues, profits. But there is a famous saying that goes: not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that can be counted counts. This means that there are other aspects of business that cannot be measured precisely. You cannot monitor them precisely, but are very important. For example, uh, camaraderie, uh, loyalty, commitment, empathy. These are very important aspects that are connected to compassion. And they're connected also to uh, other aspects, other attributes such as generosity, thankfulness. And these are very important because this is about relational aspect of business. The other aspect are about economic aspect of business, and both are linked because remember that all these economic results are generated by people. If you don't care for relationship, this economic result will suffer. So I, the first aspect that I observe that companies tend to focus only on the economic aspect and don't focus on the relational aspect. Another aspect that I observe that companies use a vocabulary that is focused on, a, for example, some military terms that implies, for example, strategy or tactics. And this implies fight, implies an adversarial approach. I want to beat competitors. I want to outpace this. You see, for example, in the work environment, when it's very competitive, colleagues try to outpace each other. So turf wars, uh, all the politics, and all this adversarial uh, approach, uh, warmongering approach, doesn't uh, generate cooperation. And remember mm-hmm. that in business, cooperation is so important. Generate mm-hmm. competition uh, between uh, colleagues, between the company and other companies, but in practice, it doesn't generate cooperation. And in this complex world, in very dynamic world, uncertain world, we need cooperation. We need cooperation within the company because most of the business projects are very complex. You need the support from different departments to develop uh, the best product, the best service, the best business ideas. But also you need, in some cases, to develop partnership with other companies, strategic alliances with other companies, in some cases, with even with competitors mm. to, to enter a new market, to launch a new product, new investment. So when you're too focused on uh, the, the competitive aspect of business and you not, you're not caring for the, com- the, the cooperative or collaborative aspect of business, there is something missing too because you cannot generate this trust and cooperation bonds that was mentioned in this article. So you need to generate trust and cooperation bonds. Um, And this is the the, the raw material of business. Business is about relationships. Mm. Business, the the basis of business is relationships. Relationships with different stakeholders. Many companies focus on short-term relationships. This means, in some cases, win-lose agreement. I get a lot of profit when selling this product to this customer, but this customer is ripped off. Yeah. Well, companies can get away with this approach only once. Why? Because when customers discover that they have been deceived, they might switch from this company to competitors. Instead, when the company tries to nurture robust, long-term relationship, win-win agreement, this means that 
any party is winning, not parties are winning at the expense of others, these companies tend to uh, obviously generate much more robust relationship and tend to bring about a much more interconnected work environment and business environment. So this is the second factor that I observe. And also I see a lot of fear in business. Uh, when you focus on fear, you cannot focus on growth. You cannot focus on generating ideas or creating or being innovative. I study in my book, I mentioned all the fear that company feel. For example, they are fearful of competitors. They are fearful of being bankrupt. They are fearful of employees stealing their goods. They are fearful of, of uh, not uh, succeeding. So, and lots of fear that is infused in the work environment, in the business place. And this brings about a, a lack of psychological safety. Employees, mm. when they, they are in a work environment, they don't they feel fear. They cannot be productive. They cannot be creative. Oh. So there are many factors interconnected. Yeah, so true. So true. You, you, can't, you can't be creative and productive and comfortable when you're in an environment of fear and all the cortisol is just dumping into you and you, you're just worried that you got to like look over your back. I mean... I think it also stems from this idea of scarcity versus abundance. I think, okay, I agree. Yeah, I think I think companies that have a scarcity mindset are the ones that drive this bottom line. Can't you know get mine? I it, it, and and there are certain psychological you know of course uh, impacts to that obviously, and there's also certain you know depending on the environment you're in where there actually could be scarcity like. Don't don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that that scarcity doesn't exist, but when when you lead with scarcity as a company, I think as a culture, that I think drives a lot of this fear because you're trying to like, oh, I got to get mine. I got to get my piece of the pie, you know. And what what's really fascinating about about all of this is that you know before we started recording, we were talking about empathy versus compassion, um, and what I find really fascinating, especially about nowadays, is that there's a lot of people that are empathetic, which means they feel what's going on, um, but they don't make the jump to compassion. And, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about the difference between empathy and compassion, mm -hmm. because I think it's really important. I mean, that's why it's, you know, compassionate, you know, business, right? Because it was an empathetic business. And I would love to see, because this, I think a lot of people miss. And okay, you know, very is, interesting. Yeah, part, I think this is part of what, why we're having a hard time in the world jumping to your, your good idea, right? Your big good, idea. good, good. Thank you very much for the question. And the difference between empathy and compassion is very simple. Empathy will be, imagine that you have two steps. Empathy will be the first step to take. There you are feeling, you are imagining how the other people are feeling. And in some cases, you are feeling how they are feeling. And also, you are also in their shoes. So you are imagining how they are thinking. You can identify with them. But when you're empathetic, you do not uh, take any action. You're not willing to take any action. Uh, this is the end of the process. Instead, when you are compassionate, this go one step further. This will be the second step. When you're compassionate, you're not only identifying with them, connecting with them, but also you're willing to take action to support them when necessary. But also the compassionate person is uh, connecting to the other, uh, taking, into taking into account the common humanity. This person understands that we all have fears, we have hopes, we have dreams, we have setbacks, we have expectations, and they can connect on a human level. Mm. 
and they're very willing to support, to be with them, to stand by their side when possible, and also provide them with advice, with assistance when necessary. And this is very important in business, especially in these challenging times. We need companies to be more compassionate, not only empathetic, to understand how the customer feel or how they, they, they think, but also try to provide them with value, not only with the value expected by customer, with the higher value. This means exceeding customer expectation, yeah. uh, delighting them. I always tell companies, satisfying customer is the most simple thing that a company can do. But delighting customer, this is the difficult thing. And what is the difference between satisfying and delighting? The company that satisfy customer only meet the minimum expectation. Mm -hmm. The company that delight customer, the compassionate company, try to go beyond this basic expectation of customer and try to add additional value, try to surprise customer in a positive way. For, a company, for example, a company selling a computer and customer is expecting a high-quality computer, the company that is only satisfying the customer needs is providing this computer. The company that is exceeding the customer needs, delighting the customer, will provide with a free training course and will provide with free delivery and will provide with free advice on how to use this computer. They are going beyond because they want to support this customer. And when customer feels supported, they tend to reciprocate. They mm. tend to come back to this company. They tend to love this company. They tend to recommend the company to other friends, colleagues, acquaintances. And so this creates a positive cycle. So supporting others create a positive cycle because then people tend to support you in return. They yeah. feel indebted with you. Why? Because you yeah. supported them. And this is a very positive cycle. Yeah, I mean, that's like one of the classical like sales techniques where, you know, people will give you something maybe if not of tangible, but something so that you feel because it's deep in us to reciprocate yes. kindness, right? It's also deep inside us to really be apprehensive about somebody that's harmed us or we we look at loss you know 10x more than gain. So you know yeah. most most people are loss averse because by our very nature we we don't want that and and when, when that triggers um, in an environment of fear in a company where it's a, it's a scarcity mindset, that just goes down the path of you know you're really not doing yourself any good. Um, you may have short-term gain, but long-term things are going to go off the rails really quick. And it's interesting that you you know you mentioned love because um, a lot of times you know love is an interesting word. Like people use it for romantic love and platonic love and love of humanity. Um, not a lot of people use love in business. And I'm curious, what do you mean by love your customer, love your, okay. what, what do you mean by that? Very interesting. Uh, when I, when I finished the book, uh, I use, I use the word love in different chapters and the publisher was delighted with this, this approach. And I explained very clearly that what, when I'm talking about love and business, I'm not talking about the sentimental aspect of love, which is important love that you feel for your family, friends, uh, partner, but uh, here I'm talking about a much more humanistic aspect of love, which includes compassion, empathy, support, care, empathy, and all other aspects, gratitude, generosity. And this applies to business relationship and non-business one. When I talk about love, I'm talking about the qualitative aspect of business. For example, caring for others, acknowledging their, for example, uh, achievements, uh, supporting them when they, they have some problems, 
connecting them not only for work reasons or for business reasons, but also connecting on a personal level. I have a whole chapter that I talk about natural conversation in business. How important is to talk to others on a personal level? You see, in business, most of the cases, people lack time. They cannot connect on a mental and emotional level with others. They cannot know each other because they are always tight deadlines, lots yeah. of busy approaches. Always to the next Zoom meeting always. or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Instead, uh, when you are loving with others, you are connecting on a mental and emotional level. And also, you try, you try to know more about them. And this applies to business and in the workplace. Why? Because you consider them as the end. Most of the business conversation consider people as a means to an end. I will mm. talk to this person. I will talk to my colleague because I want to do this project. I will talk to this customer because I want to sell this product. Instead, from a loving perspective, you talk to people as the end. You, know, you want to know them. You want to add value to them. You want to support them. And this creates strong, long-lasting relationships. The only relationship that matters in business are the long-lasting relationship. Because if not, it's only a transaction. And we want long-lasting relationship as a base for any business activity. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, when, when you explain it that way, you know, all the components of love in a business context, I mean, even in a hum- human context, like this humanity, shared humanity, like you as a person, because what's interesting is that the times where I have done the best business-wise and the best like deals, for lack of a better word, have been when we weren't really focused on the business deal. We were focused on, can we work together? Who are you? How are you becoming like are you someone I can trust? Because a lot of it, like you said, it's all businesses between people. And a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes don't realize that it's not about the fancy dancy technology or your company. It's about who you are. I mean, most, most venture capitalists, if you just get them in a room and give them a couple of drinks, will tell you, it's like, yeah, we, we, we invest in teams. We, we don't really invest in technology. Of course, they invest in markets and the trend, whatever, but they're like looking at you going, can you, one, will you spend my money wisely? And two, can you zig and zag when the thing hits the fan, right? And I think it's the same with customers. I I get the sense, I mean, because I've been in situations where, you know, like customer comes to one of our companies and we're kind of like, we can't help you. Like you shouldn't buy our stuff. Um, And that was just an honest assessment, not, not like trying to be all, you know, weird about it. And, you know, year or two later either came back to us gave us a deal or whatever that was a little you know a little different but completely different because again i think we were trying to get to know them um and yeah th- there's just apparently not enough time for that <laughs> many I- many companies many companies I, I think that would have acted in a different way you were yeah. very honest and direct with the customer many yeah. companies use the opposite approach they try to force customers into buying product that they do not need and when customers realize this, they try to run away from this company. So I like your approach too, because the, the idea is that uh, we have to go beyond the role, the world role, the business role. Many people tend to focus on the role. For example, in the work environment, they tend to focus on this is the manager, or this is the marketing director, or the employee, uh, or this is the supplier, or this is the customer. But at the end, the commonality that we're all human beings, and we have needs to be satisfied. 
and all relationship can only prosper when the needs of both parties are satisfied. You cannot have a relationship when only one party has their needs satisfied and the other one is unsatisfied. So you need both parties to be satisfied. And having both parties satisfied will generate this robust relationship over time. So mm. focusing more on relationship, I feel that the companies will find a much more meaningful and effortless way to get profit, uh, economic result. Instead, when you focus excessively on economic result, you tend to dismiss by default relationship. And we saw that the relational aspect of business are so important because they're the one generating business. Yeah. I mean, and I think we've seen that during COVID too. I mean, I can feel it. You know, it. there's, and, and you can see the companies that have sort of fostered that more relationship focus as opposed to transactional focus have, have weathered the storm. And of course, some by sheer luck, there's always going to be bad actors or bad apples in the, in the, in the barrel, right? By just sheer luck of where they were, the timing, they of course grew for obvious reasons. Um, but I don't think that's sustainable. And, and I just, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know how to put this because th- this is a very, well, it's an, it's an interesting topic for me because I, I, I mentor a lot of young entrepreneurs, a lot of young entrepreneurs listen to the show. They're looking for actionable advice and they're looking for all these things. So like, how do I do better? And generally they want to do better. And part of being young is sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Like you're like, that's why you're young, right? You make all these mistakes. So um, are there like, so, so what are some tips that, that people can do today uh, about how to be more compassionate at work? And, and I don't, you know, I, feel free to, you know, use, different types of scenarios. And, 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 and I think what I'm trying to get at is just because you're compassionate doesn't like mean you're not going to do good in business. It's part of who you are. Of course you have to have good products and services or whatever, but I would love to know like what you think people should do today. Very interesting question. So there are two main tips that I always give that are, for example, you have to be more generous, regardless of the role that you have. You can be the CEO, the manager, or for example, the the customer officer or a business partner, be more generous. This means that you have to focus on others. Many many people tend to focus on themselves. They tend to be self-centered. And generosity implies focusing on others, centering on others. This means what value can I add to this person? Could be a colleague, could be a customer, could be a business partner, could be the community. Companies that are very compassionate, that they use the triple bottom line approach, profit, people, planet, they tend to focus on others. They tend to focus on people. They tend to focus on the planet. They tend to act in an environmentally friendly way. And generous, many people believe that it's only giving tangible things. For example, if you are a manager, you are generous with your employee, you can give a pay rise. This could be a good way to be generous. But there is another much more subtle way to be generous that is focusing on the intangible aspect of generosity. What do I mean? For example, if you have the employee that have been working over time and they have been working very committed way and you are the manager, you can write down a thank you note, hand sign, and you give this employee this thank you note 
And you can always, obviously, you can give a pay rise if you can, but the gesture, being connected to this employee and recognizing, acknowledging their achievement, acknowledging their contribution, this counts a lot. So generosity implies giving. Many companies tend to focus only on getting. They try to get more profit, more market share, more sales. This is good for business, but there should be a balance between getting and giving. So not only getting, because if you focus mm. only on getting, you focus tend to focus on economic results. Right. When you focus on giving, you tend to focus on people, on developing and fostering this relationship. Right. What you can give, you can give your ear, you can give advice, you can give mentoring, you can give uh, counseling, yeah, you can give time. support, you your, give time. your time. Yeah. You can give support when they need. So during these pandemic times, giving support to people, giving a, also a ear and understand their problem and try to support them as much as possible. And the other tip is thankfulness. Thankfulness, also called gratitude. Mm. I see a lot of work environment full of uh, ungratefulness. People are not uh, acknowledged, they're not uh, considered valuable. You know how they are considered? They're cogs like in a machinery, Mm. replaceable. And we have to understand that in the case of the employees, they're the most important factor in a company. They're the meta resource. They're the resource that are generating other resources like business ideas, products, services that are bringing new clients, generating more market share. We have to care for them a lot. And the best way to do this is being thankful. I Mm. see many companies that they show this thankfulness, this gratitude in a very simple way. They organize an event where employees are acknowledged publicly. And employees feel proud of having contributed to this company. They mm. feel that their work, their work activities counted. They contributed to a meaningful mission. Instead, when employees feel unacknowledged, they, they feel not uh, appreciated, this employee, even when they are getting a good salary from this company, might feel a bit resentful. They say, oh, why I will make any effort if I don't count? So very important to be thankful because when you are thankful, the person that is being thankful feel better. The other person that is appreciated also feel better. And people that see this act of appreciation also feel better. There is a lot of research on this. Appreciation, thankfulness, or uh, gratitude generate positive emotions. And there is a famous phenomenon that is in psychology very well understood that is called emotional contagion. Mm. Emotional contagion is when you feel positive emotion, other people around also tend to feel this emotion. When you feel negative emotion, you tend to infect others with this negative emotion. Gratitude generates positive emotion. Positive emotion like, obviously, a connection on an emotional and mental level, and people feel valued, appreciated. This is a very basic need of any human being. So the two main things will be being generous, could be tangible or intangible things, and also being grateful. Being grateful is a very important aspect. So, Generosity and gratefulness. Yes. Like the, the two G's. The two G's. <laughs> the two G's. Um, wow. Well, that's, that's, that's really great. I think uh, it's, it seems obvious. I don't know. I mean, you know, you do research, you wrote books and everything. It seems obvious, but yet, you know, having these conversations, I think, are really important to understand that sometimes, you know, we're human. So we'll get, maybe, maybe we'll go down the rabbit hole of not being grateful or generous with our time or, you know, like there's other pressures that can't 
you know, that, that, that make it hard to do this. Um, and so what, how, how do you think we can kind of, other than practicing generosity and being grateful, how can we kind of stop ourselves during the day to like either practice this or like, do you have any tips on how to do that? Because while, while I understand these things and they're great and, and I try it every day, is there like a habit we could get into that we can like hook yeah. hook to so that, yeah. cause the more we practice it, the better we're going to get at it. I mean, that's obvious, right? Like at least for me. The best practice is being more aware because mm-hmm. uh, generally we're on, on automatic mode on business and in life. There is a research study that observed that most of our activities are on automatic mode. This means that they're driven by our subconscious or unconscious mind. So by being aware means by being mindful, thoughtful, when you're connected to a person and you, for example, become adversarial, for example, you are connected to a colleague and you start becoming adversarial and try to generate conflict or try to be competitive, it's a way to pause there. So this is the moment to pause and say, okay, am I adding value? I am supporting this uh, employee. Am I supporting my colleague? I am generating trust and cooperation bonds. Being aware is the most important thing, the, the most important tip I can give. Because many people tend to be driven uh, in an automatic mode. So they tend to be driven and in a thoughtless uh, way, they tend to be relating to others, uh, utilizing others. So they tend to take others as a means to an end. A very good question that all the listeners can ask themselves is, can I, how can I consider this stakeholder as an end itself? How can I nurture this relationship with this stakeholder? make this relationship more meaningful, more robust over time? How can we support each other? How can I start supporting them so that we can create some reciprocity? So this is very important and it's about awareness. But I see that many business uh, employees and business owners are not aware and not mindful. Why? Because they are continually busy. It's important to pause a bit, pause a couple of seconds and ask yourself this rhetorical question. How can I be more supportive? How can I be more generous with this employee? How can I add more value? How can I acknowledge the interdependence between me and other stakeholders? Because interdependence is a key word. We rely on others and they rely on us. But if we don't care for the relationship, we're cutting off these ties, these bonds. So how can I be more interdependent? Interdependent is to be honored, to be nurtured, not to be hated. So it's very important to understand that the concept of uh, awareness, being mindful, being thoughtful. So mm-hmm. the, I think that this is a very important tip. Pause. If you feel that you're becoming in a, in a, in a mode that could be uh, competitive or fearful or not, non-supportive or non-compassionate, how can I be more supportive with this employee? And not mm-hmm. in a calculating way. No, I am supporting yeah, yeah. them because I want to receive support from them. This will happen naturally because you are generating a positive cycle. This will happen naturally, effortlessly. Right, right, right. right. So, yeah, I like the whole, like, pause. Yes. Try not to be so busy. Be uh, aware and attentive to what you're doing. But I think first and foremost, nowadays, we're just too busy. So we get, we sort of brush away the humanity of it. At least I've found this where... When people are busy and too stressed and overbooked and like jam packed with stuff, they're not thinking, they're not pausing to take stock. I mean, mindfulness, reflection or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's, 
pause, like have a pause in the day. I mean, I knew for me, I actually literally schedule time where I'm not supposed to be doing anything. So I can pause or if, if I'm in a stressful situation, I've trained myself to be like, take a deep breath. You know, what's really going on. If I need to walk away, walk away for a little yeah. bit to, to reset. So, and know, also, the, uh, and also being curious, being curious, hmm, being curious, curious be, like because, that. because, uh, Many people tend to be self-centered. Mm. They tend to focus on themselves, on their own interests. What is going on with this person? What is going on with their lives? Right. Do they have any problem? How can I assist them? How can I support them? Remember that compassion is only, uh, the only difference between empathy and compassion is that compassion is willing to take action. Right. If you see a person in need, an employee, a customer, or a business partner, how can I support this person? How yep. can I focus on them? How can I add value to them? Because business is about adding value. Right. And different stakeholders add each other reciprocal value. So the idea is when you add value, you are generating much better business environment. So focusing on other, how can I add value? How can I support them? Yeah, for me, yeah, compassion equals action. Just compassion, take action. You know, empathy, I think, is a pause. Empathy is the way to compassion. Uh, too many people stop at empathy and then they become completely paralyzed. And, yes, yeah. you know, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because we, we have to, you know, be a little more kind and considerate to each other about that. So Bruno, like, this has been great. I mean, again, you're like a different kind of guest for me and it was really fun to uh, listen to your thoughts about compassionate business and really try to like, at least start the conversation uh, about how that's important and, you know, keep, keep doing the great work. Appreciate it. P please let people know where you can find the book and what you do. If you could just okay. quickly do that, that'd be great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your invite. The book is titled the art of compassionate business. Uh, main principle for the human oriented enterprise. This can be found in any bookshop worldwide online or offline. And they can find me on LinkedIn. And also they, I have two website, www.humanorientedenterprise.com. And the other uh, website is www.brunosignaco.com. And they can find me also online uh, on LinkedIn. Thank you. Yeah, great. And I'll put all those links in the show notes and, and all that sort of stuff. But again, great stuff. Keep up the good work. Um, I will be now more mindful and compassionate. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's what's in my day. Take care and uh, yeah. stay safe. Thank you. Thanks, Bruno, for being on the show and sharing your book. Um, I completely agree with you. I think that empathy and compassion and love are the best ways to build sustainable businesses. So as promised, here are some of the actionable insights that I learned from my interview with Bruno. Business is about relationships, not simply economic exchange. Focus on providing value and being of service, not how you can make the next sale. And I think everyone knows this in their heart, but sometimes it's hard to do, especially when you need to eat, right? So making money is not a bad thing. But you never know when whoever you're talking to, you may or may not do business with. So it's always good to come from a place of, I want to be of help and let's see what we can do with each other as opposed to buy something from me, right? Be empathetic and compassionate. Empathy is putting yourself in someone else's shoes, right? Compassion is when you take action based on a desire to help. So it's not enough just to be empathetic. And in some cases, empathy 
will make you just sit there and not do anything. So compassion is what creates action. So that's what I always like to say. It's like, try to move through empathy as fast as you can so you can get to compassion that leads to action, right? Because we need to take action on these things, right? To help implement these principles that Bruno talks about, he says it's important to cultivate awareness. Don't be so busy that you're not paying attention to the people around you. Stop and put your attention on others instead of just focusing on yourself and the bottom line. Well, I know, again, this can be hard, especially when you need to pay the bills. But as entrepreneurs, as CEOs, as leaders within a company, your job is to figure out the culture of your company, push it forward, and also make sure that the things in the way of whoever you're working with, your team, are out of their way and that they're being taken care of, right? It's not about doing the work when you're a leader. It's about helping others do the work and removing barriers and make and taking care of the team. So there you have it. Some great, actually, <laughs> actionable insights that I learned from Bruno. Please pick his book up. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.